Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. It is a down Friday for U.S. equities. Jobs Friday. This update brought to you by Van Eck Vectors. ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit vanek.com slash muni. Vanek. Access the opportunities. Stocks paired losses as the dollar fell. Treasuries and gold are gaining after U.S. employers added the fewest jobs in almost six years in May, bolstering the case for the Fed to leave rates lower for longer. The S&P 500 index down four to 2101, a drop of two tenths of one percent. NASDAQ down 23 points to 49.47, a drop of 0.5%. Dow Industrials down 20, a drop of 0.1%. Gold surging 2.5% to 30.90 the ounce, uh, 30 up 30.90 the ounce to 12.4350. Crude down 41 cents a barrel, 48.75 on West Texas Intermediate Crude, a drop of 8 tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Republican candidate Donald Trump, he emphasizes his business savvy as one reason to make him president. But is he business savvy about the U.S. Treasury market? Let's find out more from Jonathan Nicholson. He is Capitol Hill budget reporter for Bloomberg BNA, joining us from Arlington, Virginia, the uh, metro area of Washington, D.C., home to uh, Bloomberg 1200. Uh, 99.1, I beg your pardon, 99.1 and 105.7. HD, FMHD2. Uh, Jonathan, tell us what exactly is this Trump talk and is Wall Street taking him seriously? Well, the, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he's talked about uh, bondholders taking uh, haircuts, uh, discounts on bonds. He's talked about, uh, you know, uh, talked about a trade, uh, getting into retaliatory trade uh, wars, uh, specifically about uh, who cares if there's a – who the hell cares if there's a trade war with China. Um, these are ordinarily things that would make markets sort of spooked uh, coming from a major part of the nominee. But so far, um, really markets have shown very little reaction uh, to this. So the debate has sort of come to uh, why haven't they shown that reaction uh, yet? Well, could it be simply that they know that – Trade wars are not conducted solely by presidents. Congress has to be involved, too. Uh, and so they realize that a president can push for certain things, but they don't necessarily get them. That's right. There, there's sort of uh, three theories. Uh, one is, uh, is that uh, some people say that uh, they just simply don't believe, that he doesn't believe what he's saying, that he's just sort of saying these things uh, to get past the GOP primary uh, to get to the right of the rest of what used to be the rest of the field. Um, and then when he comes back to the general, he'll say something uh, much more uh, much more in line with mainstream thinking. The other aspect is, yes, uh, some people, uh, such as the Congressman Dave Bratt, uh, point out that you know, some of these things are things he cannot do on his own, that he would have to have congressional approval for, and therefore Congress would act as sort of a moderating influence, even if he did believe some of these things. Uh, there's a third school of thought, um, which I think may be borne out a little bit by polls at this point, which is that simply people, uh, Wall Street at this point, you know, thinks it's still early and that the odds of Trump being elected um, are still very much on the negative side. 
so it's not really a risk to be incorporating into uh, in, into their uh, into their trading decisions at this point. Well, let's bring another voice. He's not exactly a Jonathan, but he is a John uh, into this uh, conversation now. John Heilman's in studio. He is host of With All Due Respect on Bloomberg Television and Radio every day at five o'clock Wall Street time. So, what do you make of this question, John Heilman? You've been following campaigns like this for a long time. Wall Street seems to be taking in stride. Why? Uh, well, I'm sorry. What the the, the precise the, question is? The, what? The, well, the precise question, my friend, is. Um, <laughs> Donald Trump talks about trade wars. He talks yeah. about bonds in China. And you, if people were taking him seriously, this is the question that Jonathan Nicholson has been raising, right. Bloomberg BNA. So, so what gives? Why do you think that's so? What do, what do, what do your sources tell you? Uh, well, I think there's, um, uh, you know, the, the thing with Trump, right, is that I think uh, there's no doubt that if we get closer and closer to Election Day and people increasingly believe that Donald Trump will be president, number one, and number two, that Donald Trump actually means uh, many of the things he says um, on economic policy, that there will be um, consequences in the financial markets. I think those two are two big contingencies at the moment still, right? One of which is people don't necessarily think that Trump is going to be the president. But more importantly, he, everything he's been saying of late suggests that virtually everything he says on policy is, I'm going to use, there are a variety of potential words here, right? One potential word would be um, just a posture, Another would be uh, a negotiating position. A third would be uh, a fraud, right? I mean, depending on what your, your your predisposition is. Some people think that Trump there's there's one school of thought which is Trump is a hundred percent transactional. He said a bunch of things in the course of of the Republican nomination fight in order to get nominated, but he doesn't really believe any of those things. He's just saying what it takes to get elected. Other people think he basically believes most of what he says, but he's willing to negotiate. He's taken extreme positions that he understands he's going to have to back off from. Um, and other people believe he believes absolutely everything he says. He's 100 percent sincere and that uh, that would be uh, scary if that were true on these questions of economic policy and, and trade. So for as, as a good example, no one knows, though, at this point. Right. And Trump seems to be trying to seed people's notion, seed the notion with people that 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 many of the things he says are at minimum highly negotiable um, and potentially entirely negotiable. Uh, and there are other people, I think, who have this, the, the final thing that the people believe. And again, Mitch McConnell is someone and others who say things like this where they say, look, um, it sort of matters what Donald Trump thinks. But in the end, um, accepting matters of national security, the president is doesn't have pure executive authority to do much of anything. If he wanted to pass a law, he'd have to go through Congress. There are all kinds of institutional restraints that would keep him from doing some of the more extreme things that he suggested. And so everyone just calm down. The American system is designed to keep anyone from doing anything too radical if they get into the Oval Office. John Heilman, you're a people, too. Based on your experience and based on covering this campaign, where do you fall in those three different areas of Donald Trump investigation analysis? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. I really don't. I mean, if you looked at the history, Trump's history, um, <clears throat> there are some issues where um, for instance, on social issues, Trump's position on abortion, for instance, where um, not that long ago he was not only pro-choice but in favor of things like partial birth abortion, which he thought were fine. Now he says he's pro-life. That seems to me to be one that's most likely to be transparently um, a position that he's taken for purely political reasons. On questions of foreign – of his view of, of, of how the world economy works, he has been somewhat mercantilist 
for a long time and his attacks on China, his attacks on Japan, his view of how foreign trade works, of how uh, free trade hurts American workers, et cetera, those seem to be more consistently applied across a longer period of time in his life. And so they seem to me to be maybe closer to where his actual heart and head are. But again, because he is a very transactional person, he is a deal maker at heart, right? It does seem to me that even in those instances, those positions that he's put forward, like specific tariffs he wants to put on China, for instance, those may be really in the category of negotiating positions rather than things he will push for in their most absolute form. Uh, the primaries are coming up next week. They're big ones, certainly in the size of the states and the potential number of delegates, even though the presumptive nominees for both parties look uh, you know, like they're pretty much almost solid in that position, John. Right. So, you know, we have these a bunch of primaries coming up on Tuesday. The two big ones are California and New Jersey, which have the biggest delegate halls. Obviously, there Donald Trump is already um, in in terms of the math has already gone over the magic number on the Republican side. And so he is officially kind of the presumptive nominee. That's not the case yet for Hillary Clinton. But no, no matter what happens on Tuesday. Um, she will um, have, because of the way Democrats allocate their delegates, she will, um, uh, you know, again, with, with 99.9% certainty, she will have between her pledge delegates and her commitments from superdelegates, she will go over the Democratic magic number on Tuesday night. The big issue in the Democratic Party is not about the delegate halls. It's about um, bragging rights and the effect psychologically of what happens in California, particularly on Bernie Sanders. Is he, if he wins California, that may embolden him to continue fighting on even after the primaries event and fighting on all the way to Philadelphia. The reason the Clinton campaign really wants to win California and is now spending money there on the air, sending Bill Clinton there, sending Hillary Clinton there. They want to win so that they can strengthen their claim that it's time for Bernie Sanders to stop and to try to put his efforts into unifying the party rather than continuing to fight. All right, I'm John, Jonathan Nicholson, our Capitol Hill budget reporter for Bloomberg BNA, still with us. And, Jonathan, I want to put to you the issue of trade wars that John Hyman uh, raised. Trump says that he would rewrite international trade agreements. Has that reverberated in financial markets? Um, not so far. Uh, the interesting thing is if you kind of – if you go and take a look at sort of like his written policy in terms of what he was put on his website – um, in terms of his, what what they're counting as policy paper uh, type uh, type material, um, he actually talks more about uh, designating China as a currency manipulator um, rather than more about tariffs. He, he'll talk about the tariffs uh, and so on on the campaign trail and 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 be very loud about it. Uh, but actually, when you look at uh, what he's got to put on paper, he's much more talked about uh, doing this designation as a currency manipulator, which is certainly sort of a, an ongoing debate here. Uh, in Washington for some time, and he's only talked about retaliatory tariffs um, in light of if China didn't open up their markets. That does play a little bit into uh, into uh, John's point about transactionality, uh, that, uh, that they might, uh, that uh, his bark may be worse than his bite in some respects. Thank you very much. Jonathan Nicholson, Capitol Hill budget reporter for Bloomberg BNA. Our thanks to John Heilman, co-host with all due respect, weeknights, 5 p.m., Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg 991 in Washington, D.C.